Friday morning to you from MPB Think Radio. It's Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Jay White sitting in for Sharita Brent here with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. Today we'll talk about two exhibits for the young and old that are currently on display in Jackson. One of Mississippi's most popular festivals gets going this weekend. Teresa Stewart will tell you all you need to know about the Mississippi Watermelon Festival going on in Mize. And an international ballet event returns to Thalia Mara Hall. You can give us a call and tell us about any local events going on in your area. That number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 And you can follow the conversation on Twitter. Search the hashtag NextStopMississippi. Talking about all this and the Choctaw Indian Fair happening this weekend, happening right now. It's Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hey, good Friday morning to you. It's Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jay White, sitting in for Sharita Brent, here with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. Today we're talking about two exhibits for the young and the old that are currently on display in the capital area. And uh, one of Mississippi's most popular festivals gets going this weekend. Actually, two of Mississippi's most popular festivals gets going this weekend. One uh, that is uh, very renowned here in state, very dear to us, and one that is kind of like internationally renowned. Um, One, the... um, the Mississippi Watermelon Festival in Smith County, Mize City Park is going to be going on. And then already going on now, the Choctaw Indian Fair, the 67th annual Choctaw Indian Fair. Uh, an international ballet event returns to Thalia Mara Hall in the capital city. And uh, we invite you to call us and tell us what's going on. The local events in your area tonight and through the weekend, 877-MPB-RING is the number. 877-672-7464. You can follow the conversation on Twitter. Search the hashtag NextStopMS. Got some great concerts going on around the state of Mississippi this weekend. And uh, a a big wedding show coming up in DeSoto County on Sunday. That's a big deal every year. Mary Margaret, good to talk to you again. Good to see you. Jay, it's always nice to be in studio with you. Appreciate you making time to be uh, here on Next Stop this morning. I enjoy doing the show. I'm a lifelong Mississippian and a native, so I I love uh, I love the show because I love to get to brag on Mississippi. Well, and you know we never run out of material. <laughs> That's right. It's it's really uh, a great a great time to be a Mississippian. We do have a lot um, of cultural activities happening throughout the summer. We'll talk some about that today. But usually, you know, Jay, we start the show with a bit of good news. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry to say today I'm going to start the show with a little bit of sad news. Um, a, a dear friend. Um, and just great Mississippian Willie Seabury. He was uh, best known as Poe Monkey, the proprietor of Poe Monkey's Joke Joint and Marigold, has died. He was 75 years old. Um, Poe Monkey, uh, you know, is the face of, of his Joke Joint right outside of Marigold. Um, he, he was a big part of our Visit Mississippi ad campaigns. But more than that, you know, he was a working farmer. He's, uh, you know, opened this space in in uh in Bolivar County since the 60s uh offering um 
really a respite for people of all walks of life. A, a Thursday night at Juke Joints kind of looked like this. You might have, um, you know, a college student sitting next to, you know, a, a hardworking truck driver who's still, you know, in his, his sweaty clothes from the day next to kind of a highfalutin society person who's there for the night. Uh, it really was a, a was and still is, you know, a great place for all people of all varieties and walks of life to to gather. Uh, we do have a Mississippi Blue Show marker at the site at Poe Monkeys, and I thought I might just read a little bit uh, of what's on that marker to tell you a little bit about Absolutely. the background. Um, uh, Poe Monkeys is is truly considered one of the last few rural juke joints to survive into the 21st century, and it kind of became a destination for tourists and blues freaks back in the 1990s. But according to uh, Mr. Seabury, the juke joint was opened in 1963. Um, he worked as a farmer and operated the club where he continued to live. Um, and by the 90s, like I said, it was attracting a mixed crowd of college students and blues fans. And the decor is really what makes this space so remarkable. The outside of the club and the inside of the club just literally wallpapered with interesting signage, great hand-painted um, uh, images and, and wording. Uh, famous photographers from all over have... Um, photographed Poe Monkeys, but one piece I really like um, is a 2012 um, photo essay by a Cleveland photographer named Will Jacks, and it really captures, I think, the spirit of of both Poe Monkey the Gentleman and Poe Monkey this great juke joint. So for those of you out there interested, um, just do a quick Google search of Poe Monkey and Garden and Gun, and I think it's a nice little um, preview or just a nice um, entree into what it was like to have a relationship with this Gentlemen, he will certainly be missed and was definitely a big part of the Mississippi blues and cultural scene. Yeah, seen it. He's, he's seen a lot of Mississippi, a lot of different shades of Mississippi. And man, the walls in that place could talk. Yeah, you absolutely. Know. You know, Especially, you know, you talked about uh, the, 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 blue, the cultural, the Mississippi cultural blues uh, kind of revival in the 90s. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a worldwide thing. Well, and it's really changed the way that uh, we think about economic development in Mississippi, and it's uh, changed the way that we begin to interpret our past and our history. Now, um, I have a lot of experiences from Poe Monkeys. Some I could talk about on the radio and others I might need to <laughs> leave at home. Uh, but one of my favorites is when I first came to work for the state um, back in 2009, I was working for the Mississippi Arts Commission, and my family still lived in Greenwood. I was headed over to Poe Monkeys on a Thursday to meet up with Dr. Luther Brown and the folks from the Delta Cultural Center. They were hosting some international visitors. And my mother, my uh, now 70-something-year-old mother, decided that she would ride over with me. You know, it was a late, late at night, didn't want me going alone. <laughs> so I took my sweet mother to Poe Monkeys, and she was such a sport. She brought her little uh, bottle of scotch in. Uh, Mr. Seabury, of course, gave us setups of, you know, ice and water. Um, but she was wide-eyed. She had never been in a space quite like that, but everyone <laughs> made her feel at home. And I definitely cherish that. That's great. That's awesome. I bet she was wide-eyed. Uh, and um, that's for, for being a protective mom. Well, she got an experience. Yeah, she did. And I gave her a framed photograph of, of the juke joint for Christmas that year to always remember it by. That's awesome. All right. So, again, if you want to tell us what's going on in uh, you know, local events in your part of the state or where you are today, call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877 672 7464 and you can follow the conversation on Twitter 
Search the hashtag NextStopMS, NextStopMS, all one hashtag phrase there. The Mississippi Watermelon Festival is going on in Mize at the city park there at Mize in Smith County, and we have Teresa Stewart on the line with us to talk about the uh, one of the the most revered festivals in all of Mississippi and some of the in a food in a state that loves some food that's some of the 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 best food that we have right there Teresa thank you for your time this morning how are you I'm doing good this morning it's a beautiful day and the sun's out so we're ready to roll <laughs> well and Teresa it sounds like you've uh, have you already kicked things off today not yet. We are letting our vendors in. Our food vendors are in, setting up, getting ready to cook. Uh, we have all of our arts and craft vendors coming in. We have camels on site. We have ponies on site. We're we're getting ready. <laughs> well, that's we great. Three thirty. Now, tell us a little more about the watermelon aspect of of the watermelon festival there in Mize. Why watermelons? Why are we focusing on watermelon? Because. Why not? It's the best fruit around. We grow the best fruit right here in Smith County. We are uh, The state itself grows a lot of watermelons. It's one of our premium summer fruits. And uh, we have a lot of farmers around, and we just celebrate what they do. Uh, I mean, there's nothing like a good, crisp watermelon on a hot summer day. Well, that's the truth. Now, I know a big part of the festival is your watermelon contest. How many folks do you expect to participate this year? In the largest watermelon contest, I think we have already, I know, uh, four or five people bringing them in. Uh, it varies year to year depending on the crop and the competition. Some people are a little scared of the competition. They're scared to get beat. They, they're scared to bring them. <laughs> so I tell them, I say, come on, bring your big watermelon. Let's see what you got. And then we have a watermelon eating contest, and that's always a lot of fun to watch. And uh, the kids and the adults trying to see how much watermelon they can get down. Oh, so, wow. And, and you can't forget the seed spit now because there's nothing like spitting a watermelon seed. I was going to say there's a speed a, a, a seed spitting contest also, right? That's correct. Who in Mississippi hasn't spit a seed out of a watermelon at some time? And we have both a distance and an accuracy contest. Oh, and last year the distance was 22 feet. Oh my goodness! Outstanding! And I think that's like the same distance as some of our Olympic long jumpers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Now, Teresa, I want to back you up just a second. So for those of us coming out on Saturday and and today to partake in the Watermelon Festival, what these biggest watermelons, I mean, really, how big are they? Well, it depends. Um, I know I have one man that that called me yesterday, and he said he weighed his at his local co-op yesterday, and it weighed 132 pounds. Now, we'll have to see when he gets here what it weighs on the official scales. (laughs) <laughs> there we go. That's great. Now, in addition to, you know, all things watermelon, you've got a really big car show as part of uh, the weekend's, um, you know, festivities. You've got fireworks, a chainsaw carving, a little bit of everything. We do. We try to offer something for everyone. We are a family event. Uh, we're all nonprofit, put on by the volunteer fire department. And uh, we want it to be something that families come out and enjoy. And we have things for people to see and do all day long. We have a concert each night. Uh, Exile will be on tonight and Daryl Worley tomorrow night. Uh, we have local entertainment. Uh, we have the local group Barefoot Highway on stage tomorrow. Uh, we have chainsaw artist Daniel Height will be putting on three shows. Uh, we have the best watermelons you can eat. You can eat watermelon all day long. We keep the table ready going, and we cut watermelon all day long. Just come out and get a slice. And we have both yellow and red. And our watermelons this year were donated by Mr. Shannon Powell, 
who is a local watermelon producer. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, just looking at the pictures on your website, um, it looks like it might be a good idea to bring a lawn chair. They will need a lawn chair. We do not allow any outside coolers. And just for the record, we're a dry county and a dry event. But but we want everybody to come out and enjoy. Bring your lawn chair. Find you a spot in the shade. Get down next to the creek or up under the trees and just enjoy the weekend. Well, that's outstanding. Now, for folks who do want to come out tonight or tomorrow, tell us a little more about when the gates open and where we can go to learn more. The gates will open this afternoon to the public at 3.30. And uh, we'll start with entertainment about 6 o'clock. All our food vendors and arts and crafts vendors will be up and ready so they can shop and get something to eat. Exile will take the stage at 8 o'clock. Then tomorrow morning we open the gates at 830 we have events all day long, a lot of stuff going on. The Watermelon Games and all will be tomorrow. And uh, we have Daryl Worley on stage tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. The, the admission is $10 per day per person except for babies in arms, and we don't charge tiny babies or little bitty babies. And we have a big kids area for kids to have things to do and enjoy. And uh, it, it's just a great two-day event. Now, if Jay wants to come out and participate in the watermelon seed spitting contest, <laughs> what time does that start? It is tomorrow afternoon, and we are about to post a schedule on our Facebook page and on the website so people can go in and look at that. Uh, we That's a, a, a thing that's subject to change a lot of times up until the last minute, but all the contest will be tomorrow after lunch. So uh, so anytime tomorrow afternoon, you come on in and enjoy enough. Eat you some watermelon and get really hydrated and ready for that. <laughs> Practice a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that is definitely going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Teresa, thank you so much. We, we, we hope for uh, good weather, and uh, we, we know everybody's going to have a lot of fun at the Watermelon Festival this year. Well, I thank you all for having us on and just want to invite everybody to come on out. We do go on rain or, or, or sun, and usually we have a shower, too, and I tell people, bring the umbrella, bring a rain jacket. We have a cooling station open in our fire station uh, in the bay so that people can get in out of the weather if we do get a little rain shower, and, uh, and we continue on. So um, we're here, and we want to invite everybody to come out and be with us. Teresa Stewart with the, the Mississippi Watermelon Festival. Thank you so much for your time this morning. All right. Thank you all. All right, uh, that at twenty, she's a twenty-two feet. That's right. On the seed feet. spitting was the the winner last year, Brittany Reese. And I was thinking about this, and Sam actually tweeted me this. Sam, the producer of the show, Brittany Reese, who's the uh, gold medal winning Olympic uh, jumper from Mississippi, uh, a coast native there. She her world or, or her record, her gold medal winning jump was twenty-three feet. Wow. And so, uh, spitting a seed that far—that's uh, wow. That's I would. You, that's something you got to go see. It's, it's it's exactly right. Now, I do have a question for you and for our listeners. You know, uh, tweet us at Next Stop MS or you know, call in watermelon salt uh -huh. or no salt. I am. I, well, I I, I got to say I, I haven't tried salt. Well, but you there's know, a, there's a reason behind that. I had a I had an allergy for most of my childhood to watermelon. Wow, and so never heard of such. Only recently, well, not just, just fruit, generally speaking, mm -hmm. but it's it's started to subside over the last few years. So I'm, you know, for a long time, I never I never got a chance to enjoy watermelon in the summertime, but now I can, and that's, so that's just, awesome. That's the saddest thing right? I've heard. Living in Mississippi, <laughs> right. no less. Well, uh, I'm a purist, <laughs> no salt for me, but um, I do I do love watermelon, preferably after it's been 
sitting in a cooler full of ice yes. for a little while and yeah. it's nice and cold. So. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it'll be interesting. This will be the first um, the first watermelon festival, I believe, since Burt Case passed away. Uh, the news reporter sure. uh, from uh, uh, Central Mississippi. And I know he he all he loved going to the watermelon festival. He always did a report every year from the watermelon festival. And it usually ended with him doing a stand up. That's where you see him on camera at the end of a report. And it always in some really hokey, campy way ended with him like crushing a big bite of watermelon right next to the microphone and you could just hear him gobbling and smacking on watermelon and it was gross and it was awful but it was great because it was Burt Case right and no. uh, so that's uh, we miss having him doing his his annual report Smith County watermelon that's right know? I'm so glad you shared that <laughs> it's I mean it's these Mississippi characters that really bring our events alive help us have special memories even for those of us who can't be there in person get to experience it through Folks like Bart Case. Rest Absolutely. in peace. All right. Uh, before we take a break, we've got Belle on the line from Yazoo City. Wants to talk about a day trip. Belle, thanks for calling in. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I just wanted to say that a couple of weeks ago, a friend and I went from Yazoo City over to Cleveland. And uh, at Indianola, we took a back road and went through a pretty isolated part of the Delta. And our destination was the meet and greet. And um, we just we had missed the one in Jackson because of the heat wave, but it was still real hot that day. But it was so nice to meet several of the radio people, and they were just great. And um, but I, I wanted to say also, I don't know if y'all realize, but last night on Tom Ashbrook, um, NPR, mm-hmm. they had um, he did uh, at ten o'clock a review of a journal that uh, Ms. Mann Hamilton wrote on clearing the Mississippi Delta in the 1880s and 90s. And um, it formerly had been published by University Press of Mississippi, but it was just fascinating. And I was glad to hear that part of history of, of how the Delta was cleared. Thank you so much for letting me make my comment. Now, Belle, is that Trials of the Earth? Is that the, the book you're speaking about? I don't think so. I think it's, it's something Pioneer Woman. And her maiden name was Man, and uh, surname, married name, Hamilton. And uh, it was absolutely fascinating. And I really, I'm a retired teacher, and I would love to see that book used in... Um, in uh, public schools in Mississippi, it's one. It sounded wonderful. I can't wait to get it. I but, tell you, uh, thank- uh, oh, absolutely, Bell. We appreciate you calling in, and thanks, thanks for coming to the event in Cleveland, the meet and greet, and thanks for supporting Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Well, thank you so much, and good luck to you all. Thank Bye-bye. you very much. You too. We we hear these stories randomly a lot of times on uh, a lot of different national NPR shows that are about intricate, neat little stories about Mississippi. And, you know, sometimes we're like, hey, you know, give us a heads up on this. And we'll promote this for sure. you because we're like the Mississippi NPR stations and stuff. You know, we can help you with this. Uh, but, um, you know, they're not worried about that. But, uh, yeah, they, that's really awesome. And sometimes you, you catch it by surprise. And Tom Ashbrook on point. It's a great show. Uh, 
the the story, which used to air on MPB before they stopped producing that show. With oh, Dick Gordon. Right. They used to do stories. They loved talking about Mississippi. They loved interviewing people from Mississippi and um, uh, really hated that that show went away. But um, yeah, they, they would they would do stories and interview people and do profiles of Mississippians, just random, everyday people all the time. All right, uh, so uh, we'll take our first break. When we come back, Goosebumps, The Science of Fear. I've seen the billboards for this. I've read about it. I kind of want to go to it, but I'm kind of afraid. (laughs) I just want to take my kids there, uh, especially if they're not having a good day. No, I'm joking. All right, we'll be back after this break. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Started playing watermelon queens and let me show you something that you ain't never seen. She grabbed me by the arms and come on, let's go. She dipped down, spun around and goes. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is MPB Think Radio. Good Friday morning to you. It's Next Stop Mississippi. And for Sharita Brent, I'm Jay White here with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. And uh, uh, Mary Margaret, goosebumps, the science of fear. This is a very interesting thing that we have going on currently. Uh, One of a handful of great uh, exhibits that we have ongoing in our great great museum scene in, in central Mississippi and Jackson. Yeah, that's right. So we we call this area the Lafleur's Museum District. Mm-hmm. We've got the Sports Hall of Fame, the Mississippi Children's Museum, the Natural Science Museum, really all right in this one. Oh, and the and the Agricultural Museum. Let's not forget that. <laughs> all right there together. Um, excited to learn more about Goosebumps. Absolutely, we have uh, Sam Bieber's with the Goosebumps exhibit, the Science of Fear. Sam, thank you for your time this morning. Oh, thank you for having me, Sam. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got this uh, this awesome exhibit. I know it originates from California, but it's here in Mississippi. How did you uh, wrangle them into uh, Mississippi? Well, there are uh, a lot of traveling uh, exhibits that move around the country, and we research them and get in touch with the proper people, especially when we're attracted to certain exhibits. And this is one that we've been wanting for quite a while, and Lo and behold, we finally had a good time slot and uh, worked it out with them. Well, and what's really interesting about this exhibit is that you you're able to marry emotion with with this um, with science with with nature and animals. Tell us more about kind of the mission of of Goosebumps. Yes, it is. The mission is basically to uh, explore our fears and phobias and um, learn why they happen. Um, of course, some fears are, they're just innate. They're survival fears, like, uh, for example, flight or fight. When we're confronted with something that uh, alerts us, we have to be prepared to move or to run or to fight. And then there are also fears that we learn. We may, uh, maybe we're afraid of um, spiders, for example, and it it may be something that is taught to us because we're around a lot of other people that 
fear spiders, or the same with the dentist, perhaps. Or things happen uh, that may be painful that are still good for us, like when we go to the dentist and we develop a fear like that. Right, right. So, you know, my niece, for example, really is afraid of bugs. It, it breaks my heart. She's very <laughs> scared of bugs. Would this be a good thing for me to bring her to, to start to talk about that and learn more about that fear? Sure it would. Um, the, the only, well, the, the good thing is you have the option to face that certain part of the exhibit or not. So you don't have to, I mean, if somebody absolutely doesn't want to visit that part, they can't. They can avoid it. However, everything we have, including fear of bugs or insects, um, it's a safe environment. And you can confront the reality of your fear with the knowledge that you are not going to be hurt in any way. Sure, sure. Well, tell us a little bit about kind of the different elements of the exhibit. I know you've got a challenge course. You've got, you know, a, a, a fear theater. Talk a little bit about the different um, ways we can experience goosebumps. Well, probably our most popular item is the uh, fear of falling. <clears throat> and it is, it's a trust issue. You um, get you're standing, and then this machine catches you as you fall backwards. And your fear kind of builds up. At first, you feel confident, but then when you reach a certain area, like about you're halfway falling backwards, then that fear really kicks in, and it drops you, <laughs> safely, of course. But we all have that instant when either you face it quietly, or you scream, or you laugh. It is a whole lot of fun, and Kids get in line, and it's just a real kick to see people screaming and laughing and having a good time as they face that fear. Now, we have some other ones like fear of noise, where you go into a room and you're watching a video, and uh, then all of a sudden a random crash takes place, and it registers your uh, amount of fear that was associated with it. Our fear theater... Uh, shows different uh, movies that, or actually more like a documentary where uh, the news uh, conditions us to fear or shows things that happen as consequence of fear. So we just face so many different phobias in this exhibit, and it's really, really interesting. Now that's interesting. You mentioned the news. I always talk about the fear music, you know, on the on the national nightly news, the dun-dun-dun. Um, <laughs> that always tells you that something bad is about to, you know, be shared by the, the anchor person. Um, you know, I think a, a big part of development is really learning how to recognize our emotions. Now, I'm, you know... Uh, 35-year-old woman, and sometimes it's hard for me to recognize emotions, right? So for sure. to talk with young children about learning to recognize fear and being able to express that seems like a really important part of development. And it's also important to know that even, I mean, we had a guy with a black belt in here the other day. I mean, a strong, tough guy. You would think he's not afraid of anything. Well, he happened to be afraid of uh, spiders. So all of <laughs> us, no matter how confident we are, we usually have something that that we're afraid of, or like I said earlier, that innate fear that's just part of who we are. You know, when we're confronted in a 
possible life-endangering situation, we do get feared, and we, we do fear, and we have to decide how to respond to that. Very interesting. Uh, Sam Beavers with uh, Goosebumps, the Science of Fear exhibit uh, developed by the California Science Center, now uh, ongoing currently at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Sam, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, and y'all come. It's a humdinger. Bye-bye. <laughs> Absolutely. We appreciate it. Very interesting. Uh, it, you know, a lot of the exhibits there, adults and kids alike, right. can enjoy it the very same way. And that's cool when you have an exhibit that, that kids and parents who have, you know, you know, very different perspectives. But, you know, fear is such a, you know, it's such a raw emotion that it kind of strips all of that away. And folks, young and old, can experience the very same things. Exactly. And, and sometimes these are things that are hard to talk about. So when you have this experiential environment that gives you an opportunity to talk, I think that's really important. And I love the Natural Science Museum. We talked last week about ways to stay cool and enjoy Mississippi. Yeah. Going to a museum is a great way to do that. The Natural Science Museum in Goosebumps is a great way to stay cool. But if you, you know, feel like getting out, they have the most awesome trails behind the Natural Science Museum, nature trails. Absolutely. Lovely boardwalks, graveled um, trailways that are easy to navigate, fun for the family. And if you, you're feeling adventurous, you can leave the campus and enter into the Mays Lake uh, Natural Recreation Area, the state park there, and continue great views of the Pearl River, white sandy beaches. It is such an exceptional space right in the middle of the metro area. Absolutely. It is a, it is an underrated spot, uh, to be sure, and uh, something that mo more folks uh, should experience and know about. All right, Mary is on the phone from Oxford, and she's going to uh, tie a story together here for us from our previous caller. Mary, thanks for uh, calling in. Oh, you're welcome. Um, my book club, uh, which is called Maybe I Read It, <laughs> we didn't want to the book, but that is one book that really fascinated everybody. And our fear factor when we read it uh, was raised when uh, one uh, episode that was in the book was uh, told on the radio yesterday about uh, being on top of a six-foot stump with a baby and a toddler and the Mississippi water rising and deer, uh, deer or, or lots of deer and a bear and so forth floating by. Uh, that really gets your fear factor going. Anyway, <laughs> the name of the book is Trials of the Earth, and it is a wonderful book. And I agree that it would be great for Mississippi students to study it as part of the Mississippi history. That's right, Mary. I, I, I read Trials of the Earth. My uncle actually got a copy of it and shared it with the entire family. I mean, he was just insistent that we all read this book. And um, as a, a mother to a, a new young baby, I think about um, and Miss um, Hamilton all of the time and um, having children in literally the wild of what is now the Mississippi Delta, which was then a very dense forest. Um, uh, meanwhile, uh, having a baby waking up the next day and feeding the entire logging camp, you know, making breakfast for 50 men. So an incredible story on a lot of levels. Also, I wanted to, to mention uh, or ask, if uh, the Goosebumps is addressing fear of clowns, I have a very <laughs> Asperger's syndrome, and he was terribly afraid of clowns, and other people are too, and also uh, fireworks. He could not stand loud noises, but that's part of his uh, physical 
National uh, Nature, I think. All right. Hey. I was wondering if you if you do anything like that, fear of clowns. Fear of clowns. I know that would be a a really good one, Mary. We appreciate the call from Oxford today. For me, it would be snakes. And I know, I mean, it's, it's, you're not supposed to be afraid of snakes, and you're supposed to be able to. They're more afraid of tell you than you are. All that yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care. I'm still no. I can't do it, man. So you know what, Jay? I'm going to admit it. I'm a little afraid of cats. Cats? Yeah. That's that's okay. <laughs> I that's think okay. I've been I, striked a few too many times. I, I like cats, but everybody that I'm close to, where I could ever like experience being around or having a cat, they're all allergic to them. So I, I like it's like with a watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> can't have can't have cats or watermelon in my life. I just can't do it. Uh all right, as we go to break, you know, also right now ongoing in a, a museum in Mississippi, the Grammy Museum, Mississippi and Cleveland, up in Bolivar County. Pride and Joy, the Texas Blues of Stevie Ray Vaughn. Outstanding. Ongoing, curated uh by his brother, Jimmy Vaughn. Uh included there several guitars, including his number one Fender, Fender Stratocaster. Uh, personal photographs, original stage outfits, handwritten lyrics, original concert uh, concert posters, and much more. That's at the Grammy Museum in Cleveland. Going on now, the pride and joy, the Texas blues of Stevie Ray Vaughan. We'll take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. I'm Jay White sitting in for Sharita Brent on this Friday morning. Hope you've got a good weekend in store. And if you don't have one planned, stay tuned. We've got some more stuff that uh, you can do, great stuff that you could do in Mississippi uh, this weekend, starting tonight even. Uh, Now we have Mona Nicholas with us on the phone. Let me hit that button real fast. And uh, she is with... Um, the Grand Prix Reunion Gala uh, and the State Ballet of Georgia. They are going to be appearing at Thalia Mara Hall. Um, Mona, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks for coming on the, on the program. Oh, you're welcome. I'm actually with the USA International Ballet Competition, and we are hosting the State Ballet of Georgia um, from the country, Tbilisi, Georgia. And uh-huh. we are having our... 2016 Grand Prix Reunion Gala. Well, I just put you in a tiny little box. I apologize. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> now, Mona, the IBC does have a strong story here in Jackson and a history here in Mississippi. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it started in 1979, so we are in our 37th year And our competition happens every four years. So in 2018, we will have our 11th competition. Well, that's outstanding. Now, this this weekend's uh, 
performance by the State Ballet of Georgia is, is a kind of a special demonstration, but uh, things really kick off today at noon. Tell us a little bit about the demonstration. Well, uh, in at at noon today at Thalia uh it's it's open to the public, so anyone is invited and at no charge. You'll be able to watch the State Ballet of Georgia uh, hold class on the stage. Ballet dancers take class every day, and um, it'll be a great opportunity to see elite dancers at work and. Um, at the end of the um, class, Nina Ananishvili, who is the prima ballerina, the star of the show, will be um, answering questions from the audience. That's outstanding. Now, now Nina Ananishvili has performed in Jackson before. Yes. In, in 1986, she was a competitor and she won the Grand Prix medal, which has only ever been awarded four times in the history of the IBC. And she was the first to win it. It's, it's not named, it's not given every single competition. So we're celebrating her 30th anniversary. And, and so what sort of qualifies you to receive that, that recognition? Well, you have to have everything right. The the technique has to be right. The um, the musicality, everything has to be, you know, scored ten all the way across the board. She and her partner won the. Uh, they both won a medal, the City of Jackson Grand Prix medal that year. Wow, outstanding! Now, um, tell us a little. Uh, now, one more question about Nina, uh, the ballerina. I read online where she is considered the complete ballerina. Yes, she. After leaving Jackson, she was she danced for the Bolshoi at, uh, and also for ABT, which is American Ballet Theater, um, and and was considered one of the greatest, you know, ballet stars of all time. And she retired from there in 2009 and went back to her home country of Georgia where she's the artistic director and dances with the company as well. But she was also named one of the top 12 ballerina greats of all time. So that's quite an honor. Wow. Now, she's going to be performing tomorrow along with the State Ballet of Georgia at 7.30 p.m. That's Saturday, the 16th of July at Thalyamara Hall. Are tickets still available? Can we still join for the performance? Absolutely. There are a few tickets available and um, some with pretty good seats was we're opening up a few uh, that we had saved. So um, you can call the box office at 601-973-9249 or you can go online at usaibc.tix, that's T-I-X, dot com. And our box office is also open today. Uh, if you want to come down to Thalyamara and pick up your tickets, um, you can, and it will be open until 5 o'clock, and tomorrow it opens at 1 until curtain. Well, that's great. I know we've got a lot of young dancers in the metro area and across the state who could really benefit from sitting in on one of these master classes, seeing these professional ballerinas at work, and then seeing them really in full regalia on stage tomorrow night. Well, that's right. I hope that they will... They will come out, and, and you mentioned master class. We are having two master classes tomorrow at Bitsy Irby Studio on the Bellhaven University campus, 
and uh, Nina will be teaching one at noon, and one of her company members will be teaching one at 10.30. So you can also be an observer if you're not a dancer to, to uh, come and watch that. That's great. Now, I, I volunteered for IBC, and I actually sat in on a few of few practices one year and it is outstanding I mean really a true um uh, Jay you're a you're a sports guy I mean this is a true show of athleticism absolutely that's right that's right some of the the great football players have um taken ballet to um you know for poise it teaches poise as well as strength and conditioning and stretching that's true Lynn Swan I believe is is probably Mm -hmm. the most famous and he didn't want to he didn't he didn't reveal it until after he was retired interesting yeah because i I think he uh he wanted to maintain his rough and tumble football rep (laughs) but uh, obviously uh it helped a lot mona nickel uh nicholas thank you so much for your time this morning well thank you so much i appreciate it and i hope that you both will be able to come and see something that's really rare and uh i think you will love it Absolutely. Uh, Amazing. Uh, As she mentioned, great competition and uh, just uh, breathtaking performance art. Um, Mona, thank you you again for your time. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, the Thomas and Friends exhibit is going on at the Mississippi Children's Museum. We're going to talk with uh, Jalise Hall about that. Also, we got some great concerts going on in Mississippi Uh, this weekend. We got Leanne Rimes at the Riley Center tomorrow night at 730 in Meridian. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> is on the coast this weekend. Tonight, he is at uh, he is at the uh, Hard Rock in Biloxi. His uh, show starts at 8. Tickets start at $30. Leanne Rimes, 7.30 tomorrow in Meridian, as we mentioned, at the Riley Center. And then uh, Sarah Evans is also going to be in concert this weekend. She's performing uh, tomorrow night. I got the piece of paper here somewhere. I got too much going on. She's going to be at the Island View Casino showroom in Gulfport and tickets start at $30. That's eight o'clock tomorrow night. So a lot of, uh, a lot of entertainment going on this weekend. We'll take a break and be back to wrap up the show and talk about the Thomas and friends exhibit at the Mississippi children's museum. You're listening to next stop Mississippi on MPB think radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. I'm Jay White sitting in for Sharita Brent. And uh, now we go to Shalise Hall on the line who is going to be talking about the Thomas and Friends exhibit at the Mississippi Children's Museum, a fantastic facility. That place is one of my very favorite places to go. Of course, I have four children under the age of 10, so we uh, we frequent it often. Uh, Shalise, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks so much for having me on air. Tell us a little bit about the Thomas and Friends exhibit. Uh, Thomas and Friends has been around for a long time, as many people know, but it's one of our favorite exhibits. We're so glad it's here. It's geared toward children who are ages, I'll say, I usually say 2 through 92. Um, many people are fans <laughs> of Thomas, and they are familiar with it, so it's something that everyone can enjoy. Uh, it's been with us all summer since May, and it'll be with us until September 11th in the fall. So we have plenty of time for everyone to come check it out and uh, have a good time. 
Well, that's right. And so the Thomas and Friends exhibit is really centered on this idea of STEM learning. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, well, as many people know that we're a nonprofit and we have many educational initiatives from health and nutrition, talking about arts and culture, and also uh, STEM and science, math, those uh, hands-on things that children can get involved with and understand and they can use also in the classroom. I tell people all the time that we're a non-traditional learning facility, so we have lots of ways that children can have, have fun and learn something while they're um, in the middle of playing with different things, with trains, learning about friction, energy, uh, mechanics, engineering, all those things that they'll use as tools when they gr- learn and grow up later on. Absolutely. So learning through play. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just such a, a kind of natural concept, but I think we might often overlook that. It's great we have a, a space dedicated to that completely. Mm-hmm. We're all about uh, learning through play, and our, one of our mottos is that we take fun seriously. And Thomas and Friends uh, that Explore the Rails, this exhibit, is a great place to do it. It's in our Gertrude Ford Exhibition Hall, so it's a full exhibit all on its own. Is visiting with us from uh, the Minnesota Children's Museum. So we uh, have an association of children's museums where we can learn and have best practices and where children can uh, ultimately just learn something and have a good time. Now, I know that part of uh, the Thomas and Friends exhibit includes Tinker with Thomas, a, a mm-hmm. weekly a program on Tuesdays at 3.30. What's that like? Um, children don't need to learn something in a normal in a classroom. So we'll have a table set up and they can learn about uh, friction, about energy, about what it takes to make a train go, um, what a conductor is like. Just small hands-on skills, something that they can take with them, and even things that they can do at home. Very, very cool. Tell us a little bit about what else is going on with the Children's Museum uh, in the time that is left in the summer and uh, 2016. Uh, sure, we have a lot going on. Uh, right now we have summer camps on the other side of my office wall. Uh, right now we have our Actors <laughs> uh, Playhouse going on. So this afternoon they'll be performing their very own plays and things that they were able to um, help write and create and make their own settings. So they're learning those storytelling and art skills while they're in the middle of summer camp. And I tell you, it is really adorable to watch. <laughs> um, we also, um, I told me many people were a nonprofit. And so one of our bigger fundraisers is coming up next weekend. It's Neon Nights. It starts on Saturday at 7 o'clock. And we have, it's a ticketed event. Um, and it'll be lots of fun for kind of the young professional crowd. Um, we had the mustache band performing. We'll have food trucks and live music. We'll have uh, bars for those uh, 21 and older. And uh, we'd love to have everyone come out to support. And it's a great way to, uh, to have fun, to network with friends, but also to support the museum this summer. Well, and that's a really cool way to, I think, to get young, young people involved in the museum, maybe before they start to have kids. For those who mm-hmm. don't know, the Mustache Band is a 90s country cover band, and they all wear <laughs> crazy wigs like Alan Jackson in the uh, Chattahoochee video, a, a really high energy, lots of fun. And I love the fact that you're really utilizing the whole space by having food trucks, having custom cocktails, and just a fun way to get out and enjoy uh, the museum for us grown mm-hmm. folks. Yes, grown we're kids. So much. <laughs> yes, we're all grown-ups, and um, we're really appreciative of our sponsors uh, for Thomas and for Neon Knights. We have um, Horn, Metropolitan Bank, and lots of people who have supported us to make this a great event. Um, in our literacy garden, it's actually in the outside part of the museum, so you can explore inside um, and out while you're having a good time at the museum. Shalise, where's the, what's the website folks can go to to, uh, to see more about not just the Thomas and Friends exhibit, but the Mississippi Children's Museum? Uh, for sure. It's MississippiChildrensMuseum.org, and you can find us online or give us a call at 601-709-8964 or uh, check our Facebook page and our social media as well. Shalise Hall with the Mississippi Children's Museum. Thank you so much for your time this Friday morning. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Uh, that's just about all the time we have.
but uh, there's more to get to. We haven't (laughs) talked about all of it yet. Right. Well, Jay, I just have to say, so I was reading through the script before we started this morning, and I saw that Leanne Rimes was in town. And, you know, I think a lot of people remember her big hit, How Do I Live? It was a, you know, billboard topping uh, Mm -hmm. song. Well, how can I remember every word to how can I live, but I cannot remember the passcode to get into my voicemail at work? Right. What, what is that? I know. I know. I don't have any answers either. <laughs> when I, when you say uh, Leanne Rhymes, I think uh, Blue, that breakout first single she oh, had. Oh, when she was just barely a teen. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, she came from Mississippi. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, also, the 67th annual Choctaw Indian Fair is happening right now. That's right. If you have never been to the Choctaw Indian Fair, make a point to get there and do that. I mean, it is a great fair. There's kind of the traditional fair stuff, but you can also experience beading, weaving right there on site. Really interesting traditional craft. And, uh, and of course, the... Uh, the Choctaw breads and um, the just the food, the fun, the atmosphere, the dancing. Really cool. And the uh, the Choctaw stickball, the granddaddy of all field sports. Right, I, of course. Yeah, as they call it. And well, I'll take their word for it. I see, um, you, you go to the stickball and I'll go to the beating Absolutely. Class. And uh, hey, uh, Sunday, 1 to 5 in Olive Branch, the summer 2016 Mid-South Wedding Show and Bridal School at the Whispering Woods Hotel and Conference Center. That's it for us. We'll see you next week again for more. Next Stop Mississippi, Southern Remedy for Women is up next on Think Radio.